that's an encouraging thing. Again, I think when we walk through this, walking through this book and going through these lessons, it's such a, a help and encouragement. I know there's challenges along the way, but uh, this morning is, is not going to be any exception to that, I believe. But last week, if you were here, we saw uh, three, I think, important points. Uh, we're serving God, and uh, we call that ministry, service, ministry. Um, and as we're serving God, we know that there are times that ministry, that serving God, can be very difficult. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, and you've, been, you've served in any capacity, served uh, in, in the church, through the church, in any capacity, you know that, that ministry can get very, very difficult. But we, we saw that difficult ministry often leads to fruitful ministry. Um, God, it, it, we sometimes want it like, well, I just want to serve God and everything be amazing. No problems, no issues, no struggles, no difficulty. And uh, that's just not the way it works. Our faith isn't uh, grown that way. Our faith isn't exercised that way. And the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please Him. And so um, I believe that God allows us to go through those seasons of difficult ministry so that He gets glory and so that He does the work. And again, the fruit uh, honors Him through that. But we also learn that fruitful ministry sends us sometimes right back to difficult ministry. So we go from a time of season, a season of, of difficult ministry where it seems like nothing's really going right and everything seems to be difficult and hard and, and, and we can't understand maybe what we're doing wrong and maybe we're doing everything right, but why is it so hard? And the next thing you know, something amazing happens. Fruit comes out and you're like, man, this is amazing. And then you're like, this is, this is great. I wish it'll always stay like this. And we find that that often leads us back to a difficult season. Uh, but through it all, we saw faithfulness is vital. Whether we're in a season of fruitfulness and, 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 and awesomeness or, or difficulty and, and struggle. We, we saw this through Paul and Silas. They were in prison. They were thrown in that, that jail there in Philippi. And uh, this was after they had been stripped and beaten. And we talked about, uh, you know, trying to figure out how we could relate to that. Maybe, uh, you know, taken to Walmart and, and stripped, you know, of, of all your clothes. Uh, being, you know, embarrassed there. Uh, made a, a public spectacle, and then beaten, and then thrown into this dungeon. Dungeon Again, they had been through so much. And while I think the temptation could have been for them, and I think it still is for us today, when we go through, you know, difficult trials, is this. What am I going to get out of this? What, what is God teaching me in this? What is God going to, how is God going to grow me in this? Again, we, we turn so egocentric, we turn so selfish sometimes in the midst of our trials, and I think that's just the way that we are. I think that's just the way that we're, we're wired, whether it's through defense or whether it is through selfishness or pride or, or, or whatever the case may be. We go through something negative in our life, and we always, typically, typically always, think about ourselves. And again, I think that's just part of human nature, part of our, our flesh. But what we saw in their life and what sometimes happens in our lives when we go through trials and difficult seasons we saw a miracle happen in someone else's life while they were going through the trial. In the midst of their trial, they stay faithful to the Lord. They're, they're there singing and praising God, the Bible says, at midnight. And again, I, if you weren't here, I'd paint a little picture for you. The, the, the chances of them having their clothes, probably slim. And, and what they look like, because the Bible says they were stripped off of them, uh, they may have been like rags, and so maybe thrown on them or thrown at their feet as they were sitting there in this, this nasty, stinky, wet, cold dungeon with shackles on their feet to the wall in the, in the innermost part of that prison. And again, and if, if you're in their shoes, you're thinking, well, I don't know if we're going to make it out of this. <laughs> you know, this is miserable. I mean, how are we going to go to the bathroom? Well, obviously you're chained to the wall. 
They're not really concerned about their health and welfare. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're. And so in the midst of all of that great difficulty, at midnight, when they probably were tired, we, we saw that with the jailer himself being asleep when the earthquake woke him up. But there they were, and instead of giving in and, 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 and sulking and, and moping and, God, what are you going to do in my life? How are you growing my, my, my faith in this? Instead of doing that, they began just praising God and singing to him at midnight. God sent that earthquake, and all the prisoners' chains, the Bible says, were loosed. The jailer that was charged with making sure that, that, that Paul and Silas were, were secured there in that prison woke up from his sleep, and he thought, because he saw what everybody was loosed from their chains, he thought that um, basically he was, he was going to die. He was going to be executed because he, he failed at his job. So he draws his sword. He was going to kill himself. The Bible says he intended to do so, but Paul stopped him. And the Scripture says this in Acts chapter 16, verse 20, 29. It says, Then he called for a light, this is the jailer, and he ran in, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Man, I, I wish every single time we went through a difficult time of ministry and we were faithful through that difficult season, the fruit looked like this, right? Somebody runs up to us, what do I have to do to be saved? Sometimes it happens like that. I mean, I, I praise God, I've have seen God do that and been a, been a part of that where you just, you're just being faithful, trying to serve, just be faithful, serve. And next thing you know, somebody's asking you about how to be saved. It doesn't always happen like, like that, but it happened like that for them in this situation, the dire circumstance. And so they said to him in verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your house, it's th this is the case for you and your household, your whole household can be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and then all who were in his house heard it too. And they took them the same hour of the night, they didn't, they didn't waste any time, they washed their stripes, washed their wounds, and immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when they had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his house. We saw last week that the magistrates the next day said, hey, go ahead and release those prisoners. Paul said, no, no, no. <laughs> He's, they're going to come down here and they're going to release us because they did this publicly. They can do this as well. And so this morning we move forward, and that's where we pick up and again, very, very important lessons, I think, this morning. Let's pray once again, and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you for this time. Again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what we've already experienced. Um, Lord, just the opportunity to praise you. And Lord, with, with so many, it just seems like one thing after the other happening in our world. It seems like uh, one large event, and, and uh, we as your people, I think, go from instance of, of testing our faith to instance of testing our faith. And Lord, where, where are we looking to? Who are we looking to? Where is our reliance? Where is our trust? Where is our confidence? And so, Lord, I pray that through all of this, we would, we would learn each lesson as it comes along uh, to just be standing firm on the foundation of, of who you are and what you've said, your truth, your word. And, uh, Lord, that we would not be shaken. Uh, Lord, we ask you to bless now. If there is somebody watching or somebody here in this congregation that's never truly surrendered their life, just given up all control to you, placing faith in Christ. Lord, if there's somebody like that, I pray uh, that before they leave, they would do so, that they would give their life to you once and for all. Lord, we ask you to bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 17. Now when they had traveled through Amphipolis and through Apollonia, they came through to Thessalonica, <clears throat> where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now again, we know that in 
Philippi, there, there wasn't a synagogue, uh, but they come to Thessalonica, and there is. And according to Paul's custom, the Bible says, he went into them, and for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying this, Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Well, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. Now this is, again, another amazing uh, testimony, another amazing story. So many lessons, so many points that we can get from this. You say, well, I just don't see all the different points. They're there. But I think it's very important to point out the, the ones that, that God put on my heart. Again, we could go through several other ones. But this, this right here to me stands out in just these first four verses. Number one in your notes is this. Having the right spiritual disciplines is essential for personal and ecclesiastical fruit. Now, you don't know what that word ecclesiastical means. It just simply means church. It's, it's another word for uh, the church. So, having the right spiritual disciplines in our, in our life and in our life as a church is essential for us to see fruit to come from our life and to come out of our church. And uh, we were having this conversation uh, yesterday morning, and it, it's such an interesting thing because it's all God's work. It's all the work of His Holy Spirit. He gets all the glory. He uses us as vessels, but it, there, there can be this, this, um, this, this struggle sometimes that, that we can help God along, um, that we can, we can do enough to be, uh, you know, accepted in His sight. And, and, and again, uh, I think it looks more like a yielding of our life, a yielding and, and obedience to following His path. I mean, it does take some things to, to do these things. And, um, but it ha again, it looks a lot more like yielding than it does anything else. But somebody said, well, what are, what are these disciplines you're talking about? In order for us to have fruit, which the Bible says that uh, it, it's fruit that brings glory to God, and bearing much fruit uh, is, is what does so. What are these disciplines? What are these practices? What are these habits? Well, I, I've shared this before as well, this quote from uh, Eugene Peterson. I put it in your notes. He said that Christian discipleship, and again we get the word uh, disciple or, uh, from discipline, but uh, is this, a long obedience in the same direction. So for the Christian, of course the objects are very clear. It's obedience to Christ, it's that, that the right direction is, is, is righteousness according to God himself. So Paul and the team, the Bible said, according to Paul's custom, went to the synagogue. Now we know that this was his discipline as a missionary, We've learned this along the way. Every city that he goes into, where does he go first? He goes to the synagogue, and he ministers to the Jew first, and then to the Gentiles of that city. To the Gentiles of that city. But I think it's clear in this scripture, and it's clear throughout the, 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 the Christian life of Paul, that it speaks to a bigger habit. This is saying it's not just his practice as a missionary. It's not just the fact that Paul, when he went to a new city, would go to the synagogue first. But I believe it was something that he attended to faithfully as a follower of God, a believer in God. He was faithfully following Christ, a long obedience in the same direction, the right direction. And again, in this instance, throughout Scripture, we see what these disciplines are. And I want to just point those out this morning because um, we, we can hear them and they, we can become, I think, numb to these disciplines and say, ah, it's not that big of a deal. But we see over and over and over the patterns in Scripture, and we should take Take the examples that, that God gives us in that. The first thing is this, faithfulness to gather with God's people to worship and pray. So again, what are the right spiritual disciplines? What should we be doing in order for fruit to come out of our life 
in order for fruit to be, to be manifested in and through our church, what things should we be faithful to? We should be faithful to gather with God's people and worship and pray. Exactly what we're doing this morning. We should, we, should, we should be gathering as a people. Again, from the time that God called his people, uh, his people, and, and the time that he said, you know, uh, gather the congregation in the Old Testament with, with, with Abraham, Moses. I mean, all, all throughout God's, uh, the people of, uh, all throughout the history of mankind, God has called his people to gather in honor and worship to him. There was that connecting point to each other as well. He said, well, this was the Apostle Paul. He was in full-time ministry. This is what he was called to do. Of course this is what he was going to do. No, no, no. Who are we following? Paul's a great example, but who are we following? We're following Christ. That's who we are Christians. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that just as it was for Paul, I believe the reason why Paul had it as his custom is because Jesus had it as his custom. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as it was his custom, I'm sorry, and as was his custom, look what he did. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. Again, Jesus himself had it as a spiritual habit, uh, 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 you would call it a discipline or whatever. I believe it was an example. He's the one that instituted the Sabbath. He's the one that, that uh, instituted, you know, the, the, his, his, his worship of himself. But he, as an example, walking on this earth as fully God and fully man, has this practice, has this habit of not missing the synagogue worship on the Sabbath. Again, we've, we've gone through so much throughout the history of the church, and, and even I think in modern um, history, the, the 20th and 21st century, so much has been done to damage that uh, gathering what we're doing right now. So much emphasis has been put on so many other things that they shouldn't be put on. Put on how good the music is, how good the, the speaker is, put on how convenient it is. If we have other things to do, if the world assigns to us something in place of what God's people are doing at this assigned time, Again, so much has done, been done to damage. And then, and then you have all the other stuff that's been sprinkled in. Well, we are the church. That's absolutely right. Just because we are the church, that does not negate the gathering of the church. And so I don't, have to, I don't have to go to a church service to be the church. We are the church. Right. We are the church. And you don't have to go to a church service to be a part of the church. But if you are a part of the church, you should be at every church service. Because it was Jesus' custom. It was Paul's custom. It's been the custom of God's people. It's been part of the, 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 the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines that leads to not only personal fruit, but ecclesiastical fruit. Again, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking. It's a, a, a flip on a, on a command. Do not forsake the assembling of our own selves together, as some have the spiritual discipline of doing or the habit of doing. Some people have the habit of not gathering faithfully, but don't do that. You should be encouraging one another, and you should do that all the more as you see the day of the Lord drawing close. So the closer we get, which I believe we can all attest that it feels like we're getting closer and closer to Christ's return, the day of the Lord, the closer we get to that, the more we should gather, the more we should encourage each other, the more that we should exhort one another to love and good works. 
But what, hap- what is happening in our world? It seems like, and even with the last couple of years, that, that gathering has been so vehemently attacked. Well, we'll just watch online. That is not the answer. It's never been the answer throughout all of the ages, throughout every epidemic and pandemic, every disease, every, every plague, everything that's ever happened in the church age. It's never been the answer. God's people faithfully gather because it was the custom, it's the command, it's, it's a faithful, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit with, with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. We gather, we worship, and we pray, and we should pray with one another, we should pray for one another. And I want to encourage you right now, if you're not praying for your church family, it's hindering the fruit that we could be producing as the church family. And it's, it's difficult to remember sometimes. Sometimes we just get praying about our own selves and our own stuff and our own struggles and our own things, and we, we forget to pray, God, I pray for my church family. I pray for the pastor and the leaders. I pray for uh, the, the, the children's workers and the youth workers. I, I pray for all the ministries that they would be fruitful and glorify you, Lord. And, and again, if there's somebody that lands on your heart, God brings to your mind. I know that sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so are going through something great. I lift them up to you. We should pray for one another faithfully. But the second thing, second discipline is faithfulness to grow and glean from the word of God. Psalm chapter 1, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And that person who is in the law of God like this, that person who is just completely consumed with the word of God, he'll be like a tree that's firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its what? Its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Again, it's so important for us to faithfully grow and glean from the Word of God. We should faithfully gather to worship and pray. That's that's a spiritual discipline we need, but we also individually and collectively need to make sure that we are growing and gleaning from the Word of God so that we produce fruit individually and collectively. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the Word of Christ, the Word of God, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom and teaching and uh, wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. First Peter chapter 5 says this, shepherd the flock of God. Again, this is Peter talking to the elders among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not because you have to, but voluntarily, willingly, desiringly, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Listen, he says, this is your job, pastors, to, to, to give the word of God, to teach the word of God. Second Peter chapter 1 says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of God and Savior, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, uh, Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying God gave us his word and he's given us his word and in his word we have these promises so that by these we can become partakers. We can have the fruit 
that comes in our life and through our life, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and your moral excellence and, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, in your self-control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if you're growing, if these, these fruits are increasing in your life, they render you neither useless or, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted and have forgotten that he was purified from his, his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. What were we talking about? Spiritual discipline. We're talking about these spiritual habits that we should be faithfully observing. We should be faithful to gather. We should be faithful, faithful to worship and pray when we gather. We should be faithful to, to glean and to grow from the Word of God. It says that if we do these things and if the Word of God is in us and is producing these things, then we'll never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, he says... I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Remind you of what God's Word says, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. He says, I consider it right. It's the right thing as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, this body, to stir you up. How? By way of reminder. Because you should be in the Word of God. You should be growing and gleaning personally. But when we gather, it should happen as well to, to remind us of the things that God's Word has said, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. I'm going to die eventually. And also our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will, be, I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. God's Word is so important for us to grow and to glean from. It's a spiritual discipline that we should have in our life, faithfully gathering, faithfully gleaning and growing, and faithfully giving the gospel at every opportunity, letter C. Faithfully give, faithfulness to give the gospel at every opportunity. Again, we saw Paul and Silas even in prison. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I just didn't, and this is, a, and this is an implication, an indictment on me, but there have been times in my life where I didn't feel like having that gospel conversation. I'm just being honest with you. I don't like that. I've shared before that, man, I, I tremble at the, the thought that one day I'm going to stand before my God who gave his all for me. And there were going to be moments that I have to give an account for that I didn't feel like. It wasn't convenient. I, I, I was uncomfortable. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to start the conversation. I was too much in a rush. I was, I, I, you know, again, it was inconvenient. I, 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 I shudder to think about that day that I stand before God when I see my Redeemer face to face, when I see the God of all creation who died a substitutionary death for me. And my, my answer to him in those moments is going to be, well, God, I, I just didn't feel like it at that time. I didn't feel like sharing the gospel with that. Again, we look at Paul and Silas. There they are, naked, chained to the wall, in a dungeon, tired, beaten, sore, don't know if they're going to live beyond the night. And at midnight, they're singing praises to God. And the opportunity presents itself. The jailer comes in, and, and, and he says, what, what do I have to do to be saved? Paul and Silas could have said, man, let us get some rest, and we'll talk about it in the morning. Right? They could have. I mean, look what they had gone through. But in that moment, that opportunity was given to them, and they were faithful to give the gospel. 
Again, we saw them in prison. We saw them at the riverside with the women. Well, where's all the guys? There's not enough guys in this town to have a synagogue? Yeah, I mean, where, where, where's the men? We've got to talk to the men of the households. If things are going to change in the city, it's going to start with the men. They're going to go on and on and on and on. We've seen them when it's been convenient. We've seen them when it's been inconvenient. But they were faithful to give the gospel, including this time. And we see that the Lord blessed that. Saw Acts chapter 17 explaining, verse 3, and giving evidence that Christ had suffered and rise again of the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And here's the fruit. Some of them were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas. And along with, with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks, a number of the leading women joined on board as well. Jesus made it very clear and very simple. He said in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We have to realize that our hesitation may be rooted in our rebellion or our lack of desire for these things. Maybe it's just a simple implication on our flesh. Maybe our flesh wins way more often than we want to admit. It's not fun to say that there have been times that I've not felt like sharing the gospel because of whatever reason. It seemed inconvenient. I didn't really feel like it was a good time. But again, we've got to be open and honest and realize that, man, maybe we're just not faithful to do this, and we need to be. We need to be faithful to give the gospel at every opportunity. And sometimes it's as simple as handing a tract to someone. So I just can't have conversation. I don't know what to say. I, 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 I lock up. I, I want to. My heart, God knows my heart, man. I, I really want to talk to people about the gospel. I cry about it. I pray about it. I just, I, I find myself locked up when I try to talk to people about Jesus being the Savior. Then, man, get those tracks that are on that table or on that table. And, and, and when you, you have that open door, you have that opportunity to say, hey, I don't know if you have a church, but can I give you this card? I want to invite you to ours. And on that card, it talks about having a relationship with Christ. You know what, sometimes that's, that's just the extent of the conversations that I've had with people. Because that was the time that we had or the situation that, w- that was available. There have been times that I've not done that. But again, we should be faithful at every opportunity to give the gospel. Number two, having the right spiritual discipline is essential for personal ecclesiastical attacks. We'll probably only get the second point this morning. But. Having the right spiritual disciplines is essential for personal and ecclesiastical attacks. You, you have, if you've been a Christian for an amount of time, you know what it feels like to experience personal attacks, right? It can, it can come in different ways. It can come from your job, at, at your job. It can come within your family. Personal attacks can feel like they're coming from the church. I mean, all, I mean, from people in the church. Personal attacks can be something just personal itself, within your own self, within your own mind, within your own emotions. We also know if you've been a Christian and been a church member for any amount of time, you know what it feels like to feel like the church is under attack. Whether it's through a, a, a sweep of sickness or whether it's through a season where we're, we're having to say goodbye to several different members and see you later, their home uh, going, uh, or, or whether it's, it's, it's uh, just this, you feel this spiritual attack uh, waging inside the church. It's, 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 it's happening in, in groups and happening in pockets and happening with families. Families, marriages are struggling, kids are, are, are extra rebellious or whatever the case may be. Again, if you've been a Christian, a church member, in any amount of time, you know 
That, that's a reality. You're going to face personal attacks, and we are going to face church attacks. That's just the way it happens. But we should start to, to worry when the attacks stop. Because most of the time, the personal attacks, most of the time, the ecclesiastical attacks happen in our path of obedience. Paul and Silas weren't, we don't, what we know, I'm not saying that they were sinless, but what we know about this and what God has preserved for us, they weren't doing anything wrong. They were doing seemingly everything right, and this is what the result was. And many times that's what you can look in your life. Man, I'm, and maybe you've been here before. Man, I'm, I'm faithful to church. I mean, I, I read my Bible every day. I pray. I try to witness I give, I, I try to love people as I'm loved, as God has loved me. I'm trying to, I mean, it's not like I'm trying to tick off boxes, but I'm doing an evaluation of my life, and I'm trying to just live a sincere life of faith and be who God's called me to be. And man, this health situation and my job situation and, 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 and this relational situation and this situation and this, I mean, it seems like one thing after the next. Why? If we're in the path of obedience, I believe, number one, we will be connected to a local body that God has placed us in. As I said, we as a family will face that together. The temptation will be this, whether it's a personal attack or whether it feels like a personal attack along with an ecclesiastical attack. The temptation will be to hide, to run, to withdraw. And even to blame each other or to blame another. That's the temptation. We need to remember that, man, this is part of living in this, in, in this, this world, living in these fleshly bodies. We need to remember John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you ha may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I've overcome the world. I shared this last week and. Uh, in the message, it wasn't in the notes, but I shared the scripture, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And we're going to face attacks. They're going to be personal. They're going to be church attacks. There's going to be things that we face as a family. Again, Paul and Silas were there. We don't see anything about Silas saying, man... You didn't tell me nothing about this possibility. I came up from Jerusalem to come, you know, to check out what was going on and help deliver the message. And then when you asked me to go with you, you, you didn't tell me to that. Now, maybe he did. And that's why Silas was sitting next to him, not blaming him. But we don't know that. They were going through this together. They were all in it together. It's part of what happens when you're living a life for Christ and trying to be obedient to him. The attacks will come. But having these spiritual disciplines is essential to make it through them. James, a bond servant of God and of Lord Jesus Christ, James chapter 1, the to the 12 tribes who are dis dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's a process. But if anyone lacks wisdom... Let him ask about who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, he's not going to receive anything. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for reward in heaven is great. In the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 1 Peter chapter 1, so that the proof of your faith being much, the trying of your faith being much more precious than gold, which is perishable, perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 3, to sum it up, all of you Christians, he says, be harmonious. Live in harmony together. Sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving blessing in, instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. It says, for who, the one who desires life to love and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? God's in control. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone, give an answer to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in. So why are you not shaken? Why are you not cursing? Why are you still going to that church? Why are you still living your life like that? Be ready to give an account for the hope that's in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you were slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it's better, if God should will it so, that you should suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. You remember how the first church faced attacks against them? I'm not going to read it all. It's in your notes. You can, you can review it if you've been through here. Uh, if you've been, been here through this, this study. But in Acts chapter 4, the, the leader said, you know what, you need to stop preaching in, in, in Jesus' name. You stop doing that. And Peter answered, look, you determine for yourself, is it right for us to obey God or man? And so they, they charged them, they released them, and the Bible says they went back and gathered with the church. And they, they told them everything that they were told. And you know what they did? The Bible says this that they lifted their voices together. They prayed together. In the midst of that attack, personally and ecclesiastically, they stayed faithful to what God had called them to do, and that was to stay together, stay in prayer, and, and continue on in the work. Let's make sure that we have the right spiritual disciplines. Let's make sure that we are holding to these things, ensuring we see the fruit that come from our, our lives personally and also from our church. Disciplines like faithfulness to gather as a church family, faithfulness to be in the Word of God and in prayer, and faithfulness to share the good news. I want to encourage you, man. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what your family's dealing with. I don't know even what type of attacks you may be feeling as a member of this church. Man, stay with it. Stay faithful. Press into the Lord. Let's make sure that we have these right spiritual disciplines. Don't pull away. 
Don't try to handle it yourself. Don't try to, 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 to figure it all out on your own. God put you here for a reason. Let's make sure and stay faithful to these so that fruit comes and he's glorified. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this, this opportunity. Thank you for um, all that you do in our life. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would remember how important it is to stay faithful um, to the disciplines that you've delivered to us. And God, that we would be faithful to gather, that we'd be faithful to be in your word and to glean from your word and to be reminded of your word, that we'd be faithful to pray for one another. We'd be faithful, faithful to share the gospel at every opportunity. Again, Lord, we, we want to bring fruit to your, to your name, but we also want to make sure that we handle the attacks that come our way in, right, in a right way. And so, Lord, I just pray you help us with this, and you bless us now as, uh, this time as we respond. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings.